Good morning. Let's find our place and come in. And as we do so, I'd like to start the service emphasizing a passage of Scripture that I think is going to help us as we think through our theme for today, which is God is holy. God is holy. So I'd like to start the service reading Revelation chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. I know you guys are used to standing. If you want to stand, you can stand. If you want to sit, you can sit. That's fine. We're going to get there, I promise. But Revelation chapter 4, I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. After this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, it, as it were, a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty beasts upon the seats. I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeding lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of burning fire before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal, and in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion, the second like a calf, the third had a face as a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And hear what they're saying. The four beasts had each of them six wings about them, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. We serve an everlasting, holy God today. I'm so privileged to be able to lead you in a great hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy. Let's stand together as we sing this out.
our God. Amen. Great singing this morning. You can be seated. Thank you for joining us for worship today at First Baptist Church of Wixom. We want to wish all of the mothers a special Happy Mother's Day. Here are a few upcoming events to help you stay connected. Mark your calendar now to be in town for the FBC 185th Anniversary Homecoming Weekend on June 10th and 11th. We are planning several events to celebrate God's goodness on our church for nearly 200 years. To start the weekend, we will have a kids' fun run and adult 5K race on Saturday morning. You can sign up for these races by visiting the church website or by scanning the QR code on the screen. The kids' fun run begins at 8.30 and the 5K will start at 9 a.m. We will also have a bouncy house and Kona-shaped ice so you can enjoy the festivities as a family. On Saturday evening, there will be a homecoming cookout with outdoor games at 5 p.m. and musical concert with the Merrills at 7. On Sunday, we will have a great time of worship at 10 a.m. with evangelist Aaron Coffey. There will be no Sunday school or community groups that day. Don't miss an incredible weekend of celebration. Please remember that we have an ongoing fund to which you can contribute for FBCW's Operation Christmas Child Shoebox Gift Collection. Each October and November, the church gathers gifts for children around the world. This fund helps pay for materials and shipping for the boxes. We are tentatively planning a special member meeting after the morning worship on Sunday, May 28th, to discuss the potential construction contract for the bus facility. Please plan to join us for this important meeting. There will be no community group gatherings this evening. We encourage you to spend an extra hour with family today and to use an extra hour this week to develop redemptive relationships. In just a few minutes, we will be dismissing children four years to the third grade out the back of the auditorium to our junior church ministry. While there, they will enjoy a great time as they sing songs, play games, and hear a message from God's Word prepared just for them. Giving is one of the many ways we have to worship the Lord. If you'd like to give financially, you can utilize the giving box in the back of the auditorium, or you can give online at fbcwixom.org and click on the tab at the top of the page. If this is your first time at FBC, we would love to connect with you. If you would like more information about FBC, prayer, or to learn how you can get involved, you can fill out a connections card online at fbcwixom.org forward slash connect. Also, make sure to stop by the Welcome Center for a special gift on your way out after the service. Once again, thank you for joining us for worship today. Now we invite you to worship the Lord through song as we prepare to hear from God's Word this morning. Good morning, everyone. Happy Mother's Day to you. A special welcome to each of our moms today. In in a world full of confusion on genders, and evil agendas intended to destroy families. I especially want to wish you a happy Mother's Day and commend each of you that have born and raised children. Uh, You're to be commended for embracing your biblical role as a human female created to help your husband by exercising your God-given ability to conceive life, carry and nurture that life, give birth, and gently protect that life as it grows. And so today we honor you mothers, and we say thank you for all that you have done to make our lives so much better. Thank you for comforting us, 
bandaging us, loving us through sickness, feeding us, cleaning up after us, and on and on. And more specifically today, moms, I would just commend the moms of this church for demonstrating and teaching our girls, our little girls, to be feminine, to be submissive, to demonstrate those characteristics not only in their home but also in the church and for raising up our boys to be masculine leaders and lovers much of the future mom is in your hands and we thank you for taking that role seriously we're really glad that you have chosen to come and spend mother's day part of mother's day here with the church lifting up jesus and thinking about as jeremy said this morning the holiness of god today is the Lord's day. And so today we primarily thank him. He's the one who created the role of motherhood. He is the one that gifts women with the ability not only to bear children and to nurture them, but also to guide them spiritually. And so let's bless him together today as we honor our moms. In case I forget, after the service this morning, as you dismiss, there's a flower for each of you adult women, just to say thank you for the role that you play in our lives and in our church life. Traditionally, on Mother's Day mornings, we do a time of baby dedication, and this morning, uh, we're going to do that here in just a second, but I just want to remind you of what baby dedication is all about. Baby dedication time is not a special conveyance of grace from a spiritual leader or a church leader to a child, my prayer is not necessarily any more effective than your prayer for them. But what this really is is a time, a wonderful way for our church to gather around a set of parents and to say as a church that we want to acknowledge that this child, Lord, is yours. And we want to commit together as a body to raise this child to love you and to follow Jesus. In fact, on every Mother's Day, I have traditionally used the child's name to just give me a reminder of how to pray specifically for that child. And I I love watching little kids running in our hallways and saying, I remember how to pray for that little munchkin, right? And they're, as they grow up in church life, to remember how to pray for them. And today, our parents um, of the child that will be dedicated today made it kind of easy. So we're going to get to his name here in just a second. But I want to introduce to you, some of you don't know uh, Philemon Issa and his family. And so Philemon and Sandra and Joe Feel, come on up if you would, please. We're super happy to have this family as part of our church. And if you have not met Joe Feel, this is one of the handsomest little young men you will ever see in your life. And we're just really grateful to have all of them here. Philemon, the hat was really part of the, the get up there, man. Let's, let's see him with the hat on, right? <laughs> Hi there, Philemon. Uh, Joe Field, good to see you, buddy. Yeah, you're playing shy, huh? Joe Field's name is a, is a hyphenated name. Joe, J-O-E, which we would say is short for Joseph. Is that short for Joseph? And Phil, P-H-I-L, which is short for his father's name, Philemon, which you know is in your New Testament. We Americans, we tend to say that word Philemon, same name. That is Philemon's first name. 
And it's a beautiful connection of two names. I don't know if, if you guys were thinking this when you named him, but when I looked at his names, I immediately thought, these two men in Scripture, you have an Old Testament hero, Joseph, and you have a New Testament recipient of a letter, Philemon. And both of these men, if you think about it, they have something very much in common, and that is that they both endured hardship from other people, right? Joseph was abandoned by his family, Philemon, Philemon, his slave Onesimus ran away. Remember this? So both of them were wronged significantly by people that were close to them. But here's what's true about both of them. Both of them saw the big picture. I don't know if you remember what Joseph said in Genesis 52. He says, you meant it to me for evil, but what? God meant it for good. Joseph could see the big picture. And Philemon, we assume he received this letter from Paul. Paul said, hey, welcome your slave back as a Christian brother. See the big picture. I know he wronged you, Philemon. But God has a bigger thing going on. He wanted to save a soul. And so both of these men, Old Testament and New Testament, are wronged by somebody who's close to them. And yet they see the bigger picture. It actually reminds me of Jesus. right? I mean, if there was anybody who was wronged, By those that were close to him, it was Jesus. And yet, Jesus sees the big picture. In fact, in Mark chapter 10, it says this of Jesus, that he came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. And to do what? Give his life a ransom for many. That Jesus said, look, it is not about me. It is about everyone else. And so this is my prayer for Jophiel today. That his life would be this kind of life, that he would grow to be a man who sees the big picture, that he would grow to be a man who, no matter what the people around him do, he says, no, no, I want to seek first the kingdom of God. I want to advance the priorities of Jesus. I see the big picture, even though I'm sometimes treated unfairly by those around me. And I'm praying that for for little Joe Field. We're glad to have you and your extended family here with us this morning. And uh, if you're wondering who the family is, they're all dressed alike today. You guys are going to make a great photo uh, today. We're super glad to have you as part of our church. And we're super um, grateful that we can come around you as a couple and say, let's, let's cheer you guys on as you raise Joe Field for God's honor and God's glory. Can I pray for you right now? Let's do that. Father... I thank you for this family, and I thank you for this little life. Lord, you have blessed them with life in their home. And now, Jophiel, their newest and youngest trust from you, we ask that you would give them wisdom and grace as they raise this young man for your glory. Lord, his name reminds us that there are many in Scripture who were wronged, including our Savior Jesus who saw the big picture, who, who wanted to serve others with their life in spite of the hurt that they were enduring. May that be true of little Jophiel. And help Philemon and help Sandra as they seek to raise him with your priorities in mind. That his little life would be one that advances the kingdom of Jesus before it advances his own agenda. May you be glorified in him. Protect him Cover him with your grace and use him to glorify you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How about a round of applause for these guys?
We have a Bible for you and a certificate we'd like to give you guys just to kind of commemorate today. And again, know that our church is praying for you and God bless you as you raise this man for his glory, okay? Thank you. God bless. I wanted to mention briefly this morning before we pray that in the summer here at First Baptist Church, we pause our normal Sunday school schedule and we do a special Sunday school class. We do this every summer and have for the last few years, every summer. Um, This class is on marriage and parenting. I want to tell you about a, a, a passage of scripture just really briefly at the very end of the New Testament, the very last book in chapter two. There's this prophecy where God says, why am I telling you to have strong marriages? Why is it important for my people to be faithful to one another in marriage? And here's why he says, so that they can raise a godly seed. So that we can raise up another generation of believers who are not only faithful, but are serving, who are worshiping in spirit and in truth, who are seeking to be right with God, who are advancing the priorities of Jesus. This is why our marriages must be strong. This is why we should pray for couples like we just saw here, that they would be united together, raising the next generation for God's glory. This summer, we have an extended series in Sunday school that starts on June the 18th. And if you are married or if you have children, I think the class would benefit you. And uh, you are welcome and encouraged to attend starting on June 18th. Let's pray as we begin our service today. Father, we come to you this morning realizing that you are holy, 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 and we are not. Lord, we have no business entering into your presence except for the name of Jesus. And so this morning, we praise him and worship him together and thank you for the new life that we have in him. Thank you for all of our children. As we, as we think about Jophiel this morning, we also think about the many other babies in our church, some that will be dedicated on Father's Day, and the responsibility we have to raise them for your glory. Help us to take that responsibility seriously, and even as we consider your word today, may we think about how we are to edify and cheer on the next generation. May you receive glory from our worship, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Stand together and continue to worshiping our holy God as we sing out, only a holy God. Who else commands all the hosts of heaven? Who else could make every king bow down? Who else can whisper in
great singing this morning. You can be seated. Our God is worthy of praise. He's worthy of us to cry out and sing holy. He's worthy to have his virtues applauded by his people. In fact, living a life of faith really begins with knowing who God is. Not what we think he's like and not what we want him to be, but who he actually is is as revealed in his word. You see, worship begins with his character, not our design. Worship begins with his character, not our schedule, not our plan, not our music, not our attitude. Worship begins with who he is, his character. He is the great cause to which we respond. He is a holy God. And today, as we work through our theology in the Psalms, we want to talk about this truth that our God is holy. We can actually just barely scratch the surface of this. But the question I want to ask you today is how will you respond? How will you respond to his holiness? Psalm number 99 is the psalm that we're going to read together. And I want you to consider consider what the psalmist says as they think about the holiness of God. It just, can I just encourage you for, for a second this morning? Would you just quiet your minds and your, your thoughts, your activity for just a minute and think about the holiness of God? I will tell you, I will confess to you that I often feel inadequate to bring you the word on Sunday mornings. I often feel as I stand in the back office that maybe somebody else would be better suited to do this. But I don't know that I've ever felt it more than today. It's a pretty heavy thing to talk about the holiness of God and try to get it right. Right? This is a bigger subject than we can tackle in a half hour together. And his holiness is so much higher, so much purer than you and I can conceive. It almost seems wrong to try to describe it with words. And so as we think through, as we read through Psalm 99, would you think with me about the holiness of God, who he is? Listen to what Psalm 99 says. The Lord reigneth. Let the people tremble. He sits between the cherubims. Let the earth be moved. The Lord is great in Zion and he is high above all the people. Let them praise thy great and terrible name. For it is holy. The king's strength also loves judgment. Thou dost establish equity, thou executest judgment and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt ye the Lord our God, and worship at his footstool, for he is holy. 
Moses and Aaron among his priests and Samuel among them that call upon his name. They call upon the Lord and he answered them. He spake unto them in the cloudy pillar. They kept his testimonies and the ordinances that he gave them. Thou answered them, O Lord, our God. That was the God that forgave them. Though thou took vengeance of their inventions. Exalt the Lord, our God, and worship at his holy hill. For the Lord, our God, is holy. I want to begin this morning with a definition of holy and just have you think about this for just a minute because it might surprise you what holiness actually means. We, we tend to think of this word in the context of another human. And we tend to think of holiness as, as an attribute of piety. Somebody who is clean, who is righteous, who is religious, who is holy. But it's, it's more complex than that. You see, the word actually doesn't itself have anything to do with purity and righteousness. It's how it's used. The word actually just means set apart. It just means unique, distanced. Genesis chapter 2 verse 3 uses a form of this word when God said he blesses the seventh day. Remember he called it the Sabbath. And he sanctified it. That word sanctified is a a variation of this word holy. We might say he holified it. Because that in it he rested from all of his work. So here's what happened in Genesis. God said you have six days that are used for ordinary purposes. And then you have a seventh day that is different. It's set apart. It's unique. Similarly, we could say men are ordinary, but God is special. He is unique. Hosea 11.9 puts it this way. I am God and not man. It doesn't get any simpler than that. I am not like you, God says. I'm different. I'm holy. I'm unique. Hannah, remember as she was praying for a son who God later gave to her. His name was Samuel. It says this. She prayed and she said, There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee. There's no rock like our God. What was Hannah saying? You are holy because you're unique. That is, in definition, holiness. But holiness in Scripture is always used in a very specific way. Holiness is not used just to separate things. Like, for instance, in the Old Testament, you might remember, they separated the lepers from the healthy people. They don't use the word, the same word for holy, to talk about separating in a secular context. A shepherd who separates sheep and goats, or a farmer who separates good grain from bad. The the, the word is never used in a secular context. The word is always used to refer to separation to purity. It is always separation to purity. You might say it this way, that holiness is separate from humanity because God's holiness is the essence of the divine. You might define holiness this way, that it is exclusively, by itself, sacred. It is exclusively sacred. One theologian said it this way, the holiness of God is the harmony of all of his glorious virtue. 
It is the harmony of all of his glorious virtue. So God is not, hang with me for a second, he is not holy because he is separate from us. His purity actually demands this separation. It is his purity that makes him holy in a biblical sense because he can't be with humans. He must be Separate. And remember, this is what happened in the Garden of Eden. Adam and God fellowshiped face to face, and then Adam chose to sin. He breached the friendship, and God said, I cannot have you in my presence. I'm kicking you out. In 1 John chapter 1, the great passage on confession of sin, it says this, that this is the message which we have heard of him and declaring to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And if you're familiar with that passage, it goes on to explain that in you there is darkness. In God there is no darkness. He cannot have darkness in the presence of pure light. It takes away from his glory. And so without confession of sin, without forgiveness, you cannot have fellowship with the Father. Habakkuk 1.13 Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil. And you cannot look at iniquity. You can't even look at it. This is the problem of sin. It separates us. Romans 3.23 All have sinned and come short of the purity, the holiness, the glory of God. He is pure and we are not. I've told some of you in our exchange class about a dish that is in our home. We lovingly refer to the dish as the chalice. It is the ugliest dish we've got. But it was given to me from my grandfather. And my grandfather said, I'm giving to this, this to you with instructions before I die to give it to Caden and ask Caden to please give it on to his son. It's the most valuable heirloom we've got. That just tells you a little bit about our family wealth. The most valuable heirloom we got is ugly, and I don't think it's worth anything. But Grandpa thought it was. So to us, we set it apart. It actually lives, if you ever want to steal it, in my mom's hutch up in the corner in the dining room where nobody ever sees it. Because it is ugly. So ugly. But I'm going to tell you something about the chalice. It is set apart there so that it remains pure in purpose. Are you with me? Like, if I want to feed the dogs, I'm not allowed to use the chalice. I can use an old Cool Whip thing. I can use Tupperware. I can use Ikea bowls. I can't use the chalice. Why? Because it is set apart for a pure purpose. Granted, it's sentimental in its purpose, but it's pure. It's not to be used for the common Now, God's holiness is like this to an nth degree, to an nth degree. This morning, we haven't prayed yet because I want to set you up and get you to think about praying correctly for the morning message, okay? And I want you to think about an Old Testament prophet. His name was Isaiah. Do you remember Isaiah? In Isaiah chapter 6, he says this, "In in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Now, here's, the, here's a, just a quick background of the story. Uzziah was one of the, the longest standing kings of Israel. He'd been reigning for 52 years, and he died, and people are wondering, like, what's next? 
And so Isaiah says, I have this vision of what's next, and it's God. Now, I just want you to imagine for just a second, hang with me for just a second, and I want you to think about what if you were Isaiah? What if you experienced the holiness of God the way Isaiah experienced it? What if you came in this morning and as you came in, you didn't hear the announcement videos going, you didn't see any musicians wandering around, you didn't hear the piano, the Sunday school class wasn't letting out, you just walked in and it was just you. And as you came in, you saw the Lord high and lifted up. And the train of his garment fills the room. There's more to the vision. I don't know if you remember it. And Isaiah says, I look up and I, I see him sitting on the throne and there are around him the seraphims. These are the, the high angels, the really important angels, the, the angels that when humanity comes in contact with them, they fall down as dead men, like in fear. The seraphim are around the throne and it says that each of these angels has six wings and with two they cover their feet and with two they fly. But with two of them, they cover their face from the throne. These are the high angels. They can't even look. And they sing what we sang this morning. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. But they don't sing it to God. If you're familiar with Isaiah chapter 6, they actually sing it to each other. It's almost like they're going, isn't he holy? He's so holy. He's holy. I can't even look at him. Now just think about it for just a second. Pretend you walked in this morning and that's what you saw. Do you think you would come in and say, excuse me, excuse me, is there coffee being served? Excuse me, Lord, I've got a question. Excuse me, I wonder what songs they're singing this morning. Excuse me, where's Jeremy? I wonder, hey, hey, you guys know what Brad's preaching on today? Right? You wouldn't think any of that. What you would do is you'd walk into this room and you'd see the Lord's train filling the temple and you'd see these angels And I think you would do exactly what Isaiah did. Here's what Isaiah did. He says, I'm going to die. Woe is me. I'm done for because my eyes have seen God. My eyes have seen God. I can't survive this. You remember Moses? Isaiah knew the story of Moses pretty well. Moses said, hey God, can I just get a little glimpse of you? We're pretty close. And God said to Moses, look, here's the deal. If you even saw the tiniest piece of me, Moses, it would kill you. You can't handle my glory. And so Isaiah says, I see this vision of God and I think, I'm undone. In fact, he says a little bit more than that. He says, I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell among people with unclean lips. You know what we would say? Paraphrasing that? I've seen God and I've got nothing to say. I've got nothing. The only thing I can think of is, I'm a sinner. 
But the story goes on. <laughs> One of the angels takes a coal from the fire and he puts it on Isaiah's lips. And he says, you're cleansed. Somebody paid the price for you, Isaiah. Come on in. Come on in. Join in the worship. You want to sing with these angels? Sing with us. You're redeemed. Come on in. We've paid the price for you. And Isaiah's response is simply, okay, Lord, whatever you want me to do, whatever it is, I'll do it. Here am I, Lord. Send me. This is Isaiah's response. Okay, so this morning, I just want to have you help me come into the Lord's presence and ask him to bless as we look into his word. And and the reason I I mention this is because I think we sometimes forget who we're talking about. We sometimes forget that when we open the Bible, when we read the Bible together, we're reading the words of God, a holy God. When we sing holy, 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 we sometimes think, well, this is an old hymn. We haven't sung this for a while. Or I've never heard this one. This one must be special. Or some of the words in that hymn are a little bit old. They don't quite make sense in modern culture, maybe, in the way that we speak. And we forget we're in the presence of holy God. And then we read Scripture, and you hear the words of Scripture, and you think, how how many verses does this have? Is he almost done? And we do the same thing when we gather together for worship and we hear preaching and we watch the clock and we think about getting in line for lunch and we forget we're in the presence of holy god just imagine with me for just a second if you walked in here and you saw his train filling the temple and isaiah says the whole place is filled with smoke and these huge angels are swim are, are, are 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 flying around the throne and they're saying holy 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 And again, holy, 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 that you and I would respond just like Isaiah and say, we are sinners. What are we doing here? I don't belong in the presence of God. And can I just tell you, without Jesus, you don't. He's the only way that we can enter the presence of God. So this morning I'm going to pray for us. And and as I pray, I just want you to understand I'm not trying to put on a show for you. I I just want to help you understand the attitude that we should have when we enter the presence of God. And ask the Lord to meet with us and help us to understand who he is so that we can respond appropriately. You might be like me this morning and think about that Isaiah uh, vision of Isaiah and say, I'm not, I'm not ready. <laughs> I'm not ready to enter the presence of God. Well, then, with me, confess your sin and get ready. Because we're going in, okay? <laughs> we're going to enter into the throne room together. Would you pray with me, Lord? We come to you this morning and we admit to you that we are completely unworthy to be here. There's nothing about us that qualifies us for your presence. And yet, Lord, you've invited us to come into your very throne room. And Lord, we're so arrogant. We're so self-confident. We sometimes come in to your presence with sin and we act like that's okay. 
like your love will just give us a pass. And we forget that we must confess our sin and forsake it to receive forgiveness from you. And so, Lord, today I ask that you will cleanse us by the blood of Jesus Christ. That you'll make us fit for your presence. That you'll help us to see you for who you are. That we might get a glimpse, just a little glimpse this morning of your glory and of your holiness. That we might respond appropriately. That we might worship you appropriately. That we would not just hurry through biblical truth today but that we would see you high and lifted up. And that we would cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Lord, we love you and we thank you for inviting us into your presence. And now as we talk about this important subject, we ask, Lord, that you'll give us clarity of mind and thought. Help us to respond correctly. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 99 teaches us a couple of things about the holiness of God. The first is this, that the Lord is holy in his high position above people. He is holy in his high position above people. Look at verse number one. The Lord reigneth, let the people tremble. He is king, he reigns, but the response of his people is fear that we would tremble in his presence like Isaiah. And this is really illustrative of the main premise of our series. That when we see God high and lifted up like Isaiah did, that we would respond appropriately in worship. I am full of sin. I am unworthy. Woe is me, Lord. I have nothing to say with my unclean lips. I make no demands. I just ask for your mercy. That's it. I'm just here to ask for mercy. He's high and lifted up above people as our king. Number two, he is high and lifted up above people in location. Notice what it says in verse one. He sits between the cherubims. The Lord is great in Zion, high above all the people. You see, the Lord was in the Holy of Holies. You remember the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle and in the temple? It was this inner room where the Ark of the Covenant sat. And that top of the Ark was considered the mercy seat. It was to represent the presence of God. Up in Jerusalem, up on the highest hill, up above all people. This was the Ark of the Covenant in this room. Where God's presence was. This is the same ark that was stolen by the Philistines. You remember this? is taken by the Philistines. And they take it into their temple and they say, Hey, our God, Dagon, who we carve out of stone, is pretty cool. Let's put the ark next to that. I mean, two gods has got to be better than one, right? And what happens? You remember the story? Dagon falls down and bows to the ark. It's not even God. It's just God's presence. The representation of God's presence, Dagon falls down. So the Philistines, they're pretty smart dudes. They're like, let's prop up Dagon. So they prop him back up and they put some wedges underneath there. They're like, stay put, Dagon, okay? And we'll see you in the morning. So they leave. They come back the next morning. What's happened? He's fallen down again, but this time he's fallen into pieces. And it's as if God says, how dare you? <laughs> you compare me with a stone? 
I don't care if it looks what it looks like. It's not a God. Okay. I am the God. There is none else beside me. This is the presence of God on the mercy seat between the cherubims. But this is also a picture of what's actually happening in heaven. God is high above us in heaven with the angels surrounding his throne saying he is holy, he is holy, he is holy. And remember what holiness means. He's not like you. He's not like you. He's not like you. He's different. He's higher. He's bigger. He's purer. He's holy. This is God. He is above people in location. Number three, he's above people in reputation. Verse three, let them praise thy great and terrible name for it is holy. In the Old Testament, the name of God is a reference to his reputation, what people think when they hear his name. Psalm 30, verse 4, sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. Do you remember his holiness? Like Church, I, I, think, I think sometimes we forget how holy the name of God is. Now you might say, well, what name is it, Brad? Are we talking about I am? Are we talking about Jehovah? Are we talking about Yahweh? Are we talking about the word God? Are we talking about the word Lord? Are we talking about the word Jesus? And I would say, yes. All of those things that cause people to think, oh, you're talking about the God of the Bible, his reputation, that God. Do you remember how seriously the Bible translators and scribes took the name of God? Do you remember? They literally would, some of them refused to write the name of God. I'm not writing it. Somebody else write it. Because I don't want to make a mistake. Think about that respect. Others said, the only way I'll write it is if I get to go take a bath and change my clothes and get a brand new pen every time I write his name. I just want to make sure that I don't in any way desecrate or deface the name of God. And yet we put up with taking his name in vain or euphemizing his name even in the church. The holy name of God. It is great. It is terrible. It is holy. Next, he's above people in judgment and righteousness. It's Verse number four says, the king's strength loves judgment. Thou, God, you establish equity. You execute judgment. You execute righteousness in Jacob. This is actually a great working definition of holiness. Perfect judgment, pristine equity, premier righteousness. This is God. He is different. He is higher. He is better. He is separate than all humanity. Holy. But secondly, He has some expectations. So firstly, we said he's above humanity. He's holy in his high position. But secondly, he has some expectations for his people in their response to him. Some expectations. Number one, he expects them to worship. (laughs) He expects them to worship. Okay, so let's go back to the vision of Isaiah. You come in this room, it's full of smoke. The train of God, the train of his garment is filling the temple. It's swirling around you. The angels are screaming, holy, holy, holy. The light is so bright, you can't see it. Would you come in and just be like, well, here we go, another Sunday. What's up, brother? Right? No, no, no. Like, and I'm not saying that we need to 
be quieter in our fellowship. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is our attitude in our hearts should be, hey, you know what we're here to do? We're here to meet with God. And he's holy. Some reverence for the moment. Remember the nation of Israel? They needed to leave Egypt. This is what Moses told Pharaoh. Hey, I need God's people to leave Egypt. And Pharaoh says, why didn't you leave? And they said, well, we can't really worship here. Like, our God is super holy and he's different. And we need to get away from Egypt for a little while and just worship in some peace and quiet. And then we'll come back. That was the original plan. They needed to get away. Why? Because God is not common. His worship is special. And by the way, I think that's a little bit of a metaphor for what we do on Sunday mornings, right? We brush the dust of the world off of our shoulders and we say, I'm going to put my email and my Facebook and my problems and my distractions I'm going to put work, I'm going to put neighbors, I'm going to put everything out there in the car, at the very least, and I'm coming here, I'm going to do something that's really special, it's really unique, I'm going to enter the presence of God with reverence. It's special. Number two, he expects them to call on his name. Notice the names he gives here, Moses and Aaron and Samuel called on the Lord and he answered them. Why did he pick Moses, Aaron, and Samuel. You ever wonder like, why certain people get into certain verses? I think these guys are unique in that they're all just humble, ordinary, everyday kind of guys. They're all just average people that God said, Hey, you, I want you to do something special for me. I want you to lead my people to worship. I want you to call on me, I want you to talk to me, and I want you to lead my people into my presence. Think about that invitation. Um, When we were with the seniors down in Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg area, I got a voicemail from a friend of mine. And when you get, like on iPhones now, I guess they, they transcribe the voicemail for you, you know, so you don't have to listen to it, you can just read it, which I think is really awesome. So we're in a crazy loud place. There's teenagers running everywhere. It's a little nutty, okay? You can hear music playing. You can hear people screaming on rides. You know what I'm talking about? So like in the middle of Cedar Point kind of thing. I'm standing there and I feel my phone buzz. I'm like, oh, hmm. I pull it out. Now, now my friend's last name is G-O-G-G-I-N. Siri thought it was God. So I'm just going about my day, you know. It's just an average day hanging out with our school kids, enjoying the beautiful weather. And I literally, I pull out my phone out of my pocket, I look out, and it says this. There's no joke. It says, hey, Brad, this is God. (laughs) And I, even though I know he doesn't leave voicemails for us, my heart skipped a beat. I've li- literally, here's what I thought. What am I doing? You know, I mean, I was grateful that Mari and I were just hanging out, you know, and just talking to people and having a nice day. But when you get a voicemail from God, it'll shake you up, right? But here's what I thought after that. Like, clearly Siri misunderstood, okay? But there is great privilege in being able to talk to God. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Like, 
Like in the morning, I have the, I have the right and the privilege and the responsibility actually to open a love letter from God and say, God, what do you, what do you got for me today? Right? And then I, I get to respond to it. <laughs> and he hears me. Think about that for a second. So his train fills the temple, right? The angels are screaming. He is holy. He is holy. He is holy. And I say, hey, Lord, I got something I need help with. And he says, I hear you. I hear you. Come on in. Come on into my throne room and share your burden. And I say, but, but Lord, the, my burden is just tiny. I mean, you got this universe and you're so powerful and you're so holy. You're so different. You're so pure. My, my burden is just tiny. And the Lord says, I know, but I got it. Come here. Come tell me. Think about the privilege. We, we literally have the opportunity to talk to the Lord at any moment, and it's all because of Jesus, like he has cleared the path. I've illustrated it for you before, but when I think of this truth, here's what I think about. I think about the tabernacle, the tent in which the Holy of Holies was the inner chamber. And the high priest had to go through all this ritual of cleaning and changing clothes and sacrificing animals and sprinkling blood and all this stuff. And then going in here and offering prayers and offering incense and all this stuff. And then he went into the Holy of Holies and they tied a rope to his leg and they put bells on the bottom of his outfit so that if he stopped moving, they could drag him out. It was that scary to the children of Israel. And yet for us, for modern believers, we're standing here and we've got sin all over us. And we look over at the Holy of Holies and here's Jesus and he's got the flap of the tent pulled back and he goes, come on in. Right? The Father wants to meet with you. But because of my blood, because of my redemption, because of my atonement and my payment for your sin, you're in. What a privilege. And yet some of us never pray. I mean, maybe at lunchtime we say a quick thanks for the food, but we don't talk to God and we have the privilege of being in his presence he expects his people to call on his name number three he expects his people to keep his testimonies and ordinances to obey him verse seven he spake unto them out of the cloudy pillar they kept his testimonies and the ordinance that he gave them God expects obedience For Israel, it was easy. They just said, okay, Lord, when you get up and move, we're going to get up and move. We're just going to follow you. Wherever you're present, that's where we're going to go. But isn't that great? I mean, isn't that a great way of life? Can you imagine if that was just our philosophy? Lord, if you move, I'm going with you. Right? (laughs) Wherever you go, I follow. But I want you to think about the cloud for just a second. The pillar of cloud, the pillar of smoke that led the children of Israel in the wilderness, it was also a barrier. It kept the Egyptians away from God's people, but it kept God's people away from him. Remember when Moses was going up into the mountain, God said, listen, you give very clear instructions to your people. And here's the instructions. Don't touch the mountain. You touch the mountain, you will die. Your animals touch the mountain, they will die. Do not touch the mountain. Do not get close to me. Why? Because I'm holy, you're not. Now think about that for just a second. If we, I've talked about this Bible study many, many times, and I encourage everybody in the church to find somebody to do it with. The first lesson of this Bible study is that God is 
holy. And if you've ever done this Bible study, when you get to the end of lesson one, you're thinking, where's the good news? Like, that's terrible. Because the, in essence, it says this, look, God is holy, you are not. And by the way, God is just, and here's the judgment, here's the sentence on humanity, um, that the wages of sin is death. And you're tempted, even if you're leading the Bible study, to go like, you know what, whoa, like, that's just bad news. I don't want bad news, I want good news. If, if this Bible study, if the exchange stopped that God is holy, it would just be bad news. But can I just tell you that it is good because of his love and his grace. It's all about Jesus. For even while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. It's all about Jesus. Can I just tell you just really quick, if you have never put your faith in Jesus Christ exclusively, like nothing else, just Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. If you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ exclusively, Mother's Day 2023 would be an awesome day to do it. Because here's what it does for you. You're, you're still a sinner. In practice, you're not holy when you put your faith in Jesus. But in position, God sees you with the holiness of Jesus and he says, come on into my presence. In position, in reality, in status, you're now made holy like Jesus Christ. Which brings us to the last point, and that is that he expects his people to confess their sin. Verse 8, you forgave them. I mentioned 1 John 1 earlier, the way that God forgives. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness when we confess our sins to him. Jesus Christ is the great reconciler. Do you understand what's happening? When Jesus is holding back the flap of the Holy of Holies and says, come on in, he's holding, as it were, a bowl of his own blood and says, look, Father, I sacrificed my body for them. I paid the price for Brad so that he can walk in, so that you would see him as holy, put his sin on me, and put my holiness on him because he wants to come into your presence. Jesus is the great reconciler, the great mediator. So what do we do? How do we respond? I, I told you earlier, I think we think about God's holiness, we need to ask, how do I respond? There's three conclusions. Number one, Worship. Worship. Now, every week when Holden and I get together, we get together three times in the week and we talk about the sermon that one of us is going to preach on Sunday. And almost every week, here's what we talk about. Hey, we don't want to be redundant. You know, if every Sunday morning we're looking at a psalm, we just don't want every Sunday morning to be the same. But every psalm reminds us of the same thing. And what is it? That we need to worship. We need to worship. Our response, our number one response to who God is, is to fall down and sing holy. To worship at his footstool, as the word says. Verse number nine of our text, the very last verse, exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill, for the Lord our God is holy. Do you remember what that word exalt means? Exalt means to lift him up, lift him up. It's to go to one another and say, wow, Jason, isn't God great? Lift him up. Look how awesome he is. Eric, isn't God great? Bart, isn't God great? 
This is what we do with each other when we gather together. We just lift him up and exalt him and say, man, he's so holy, he's so good, he's so loving. Isn't he great? Revelation chapter 15, verse 2, And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and then that had gotten the victory over the beast. Listen to this. And over his image, and over his mark, and over his number. Standing on the sea of glass, having harps of God. So here's the picture. John is seeing heaven. These are all of the people that have overcome the beast in the tribulation. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou art holy. All nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. Here's what they're saying. They're saying, this is a rhetorical question. Who wouldn't worship a God like that? Who could come in and yawn through a God like that? Who could enter a temple filled with his train, hearing the angels scream his holiness and turn and walk away and leave unchanged? Nobody. Any sane person who sees God in his glory responds with worship. Number two, takeaway on God's holiness is this. You should repent and you should believe. And we just said this earlier, but can I just tell you, you can't be holy without Jesus. And if you're not holy, you're not welcome into God's presence, which means you can't live in heaven. There's only one other option. That's a terrible place removed from God's presence described in Scripture. It's called hell. There's only two options. God's presence or banishment forever. And those that enter God's presence are the holy ones. They're the ones who receive the holiness of Jesus Christ. Isaiah fifty-seven fifteen. For thus says the high and lofty one that inhabits in, in eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. If you humble yourself and put your faith in Jesus, you're welcome to be in God's presence. It's the holiness of Jesus that makes forgiveness possible. And then lastly, if you do know Jesus, be holy. Be holy. So not only worship, but make sure you're right with God through Jesus. But then secondly, live a holy life. First Peter 1, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children. Notice what he says, not fashioning yourselves according to the formal lusts of your ignorance, but as he which has called you is holy, so be holy in all of your behavior, all of your manner of life. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. In chapter 2, Peter says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. That you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his light. He's not talking about the Jews as a nation. He's talking about Christians. And it's kind of cool. Like these two verses illustrate the two types of holiness one of them is that Jesus has saved you, so you are holy. God sees you with the status of holiness. But then secondly, because Jesus has saved you, he says, be holy. Act like it. Be pure. Be righteous. Seek to emulate the character of Jesus Christ. Do you claim to be a believer this morning? If you are harboring sin, you are not holy. Positionally, you are. But practically speaking, you are not. 
Church is the, right, is the place to get that right. Even now, as we pray and conclude, let's bring that to the throne. Lord, thank you for your holiness and thank you for even allowing us as fragile and finite humans to talk about it. Lord, we just don't, we don't have the right to try to describe how awesome you are. And yet, Lord, we, we want to do what Scripture says. We want to exalt you. And so even as we conclude the service and listen to the musicians sing a song about your holiness, would you help us to lift up Jesus for one another, to exalt him in worship? And as we dismiss from here and as we spend time with our moms and we think about how you've blessed us, that our hearts would be full of praise for who you are today. We pray this in your risen son's name. Amen. We're going to close with a song today entitled, Jesus, You Alone. I'd like you to really listen to the words of this. Let it encourage your heart and cause you to worship in spirit and in truth. And as we get to that last chorus at the very end, I want you guys to be prepared. We're going to have you stand and join us in the chorus. Great King of glory, seated on high in the heavens, oh, Jesus, you alone. You are the Lord God Almighty, strong in compassion and mercy, oh, Jesus, you alone. I searched the world for a love that could fill my heart, but nothing compares to the wonder of who you Worthy, all creation sings worthy.
Thank you for watching this video of one of our recent services. It's a pleasure for us to have you join us from a distance and join our church in a time of worship around the Word of God. The most important message that we can tell you is that God loves you. And he loves you so much that He gave Jesus Christ as payment for your sins. And the Bible says that all that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. We want you to know that message that true life is found in Jesus Christ. An eternal life, the opportunity to live with God forever in heaven, in spite of our sinfulness. True life is only found in Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Would you be willing to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Would you be willing to pray something like this? Lord, I know I'm a sinner, and I know there's nothing I can do about my sinfulness. I don't want to pay for my own sin, and I want to put my faith in Jesus. I want his death on the cross to pay for my sins. I want to repent from doing things my own way and make Jesus Lord of my life. Would you be willing to pray something like that and put your faith in 
Jesus Christ? If so, we want to help you as you start your spiritual journey with Jesus Christ. God loves you. Our church loves you. We're glad that you could watch this message today. God bless.